Did you know that Easy Medical Device is not only a blog, a podcast, or a YouTube channel? It's also an agency that is providing you consulting, coaching, and training for medical devices. So if you have any projects, don't hesitate to contact me at info at easymedicaldevice.com. Info at easymedicaldevice.com. So talk to you later. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today, on this episode of the podcast, we'll make a review of March 2020. So March was really uh, a, a month with a lot of information, a lot of outcome. Uh, and we are continuing also to talk about this pandemic uh, and the consequence to the uh, medical device industry. And we'll also talk about the EUMDR, um, what is happening with that, uh, the different uh, guidance that are out, the different regulatory updates that are that are uh, ongoing, uh, and also we'll go back again uh, about the podcast, uh, what happened this month, uh, regarding also the LinkedIn Live, what happened this month, uh, and uh, what uh, what uh, you have missed maybe, and what you can review uh, again after that. Okay, so let's start with this pandemic. So what happened in March is the fact that uh, many of the countries had uh, a lockdown due to a pandemic, uh, which means that uh, there is a lot of things that are blocked, stopped. There is a lot of uh, jobs that are or done at home or not done anymore because uh, we have to wait that this pandemic is, uh, pandemic is, um, is uh, over. And uh, uh, during that time, there is also one... Um, one uh, job or one industry that has also to stop what they were doing. It's the notified bodies. Uh, so they are stopping to do the on-site assessment during uh, during this pandemic, but they are still doing the off-site assessment. So they are maybe reviewing documentation while uh, they are on the, um, at their at their homes or home office. Um, but yeah. We are trying to see uh, how this will be um, managed because they still have to do an on-site review. So uh, will, it do, will it be done later? Can you have a C certificate without this on-site uh, on-site review? This is something that uh, the EU commissioner or notified body has to, to, to check and negotiate. But for now, yeah, the um, auditors are same as us, so they can be infected. So they are stopping what they are doing uh, in terms of on-site uh, on-site assessment. Um, it is already a struggle because, uh, as you may know, so we are um, short in notified bodies for the EUMDR. But we also saw that a lot of notified bodies were more focused now on EUMDD, so to, to finalize the EUMDD before to start EUMDR um, certification. So it's something also that is, uh, I understand, really a struggle for a lot of companies. Um, I'm hearing a lot of companies that are saying that they are calling notified bodies and notified bodies, but nobody answers, uh, or they are put on a waiting list. So it's something that is happening. So please, before to start any project, first um, try to contact your notified body or a notified body if you don't have one, uh, to find one that is um, that is available and that can maybe give you a date in one year, uh, because really with um, with 
with the bottleneck that we have now, uh, I think you can expect a date only uh, within the, the next year. Um, okay, so one thing also that happens during this pandemic is the fact that we need a lot of um, supplies, so medical supplies um, like face masks, like respirators, like uh, COVID-19 tests, IVD tests. Um, what you are seeing more and more, and um, it's really um, a problem, is a fake certificates. Uh, we have seen that on LinkedIn, so you can see one here that will appear. Uh, what is funny with fake certificates is that you can spot immediately that it's a fake certificate um, because, for example, for this one that you are seeing, um, it's a certificate uh, issued for a class one device that is non-sterile. If you know the regulation, you you know that for class one um, device, non-sterile, it's self-certification. So there is no need of this kind of certificate. You have to have a EU declaration of conformity. But yeah, it's, uh, it's something that you can spot easily. And if you see also that they are hiding the name of the company, so it's also um, a fake certificate, they can say, oh, it's for confidentiality. There is no confidentiality in this kind of thing. You have to show that this certificate is for your company, etc., etc. So be really careful on that because uh, there was also a lot of situation in different countries where, uh, for example, for um, uh, COVID-19 tests, uh, they were um, not um, accurate, so they were showing false uh, negative. Uh, so it means that you were infected, but at the end, you, you this test is showing that you are not, uh, which is really a, a drama, if I can say, for countries that are buying those uh, those uh, those equipments or those supplies. So be really careful. We know that when you have nothing, is better than nothing, but you have still to have something that is working and efficient. If you are buying face masks, but at the end they are not filtering enough, uh, and that they are letting pass uh, the virus. So there is no need to pay for this kind of thing. So yeah, be really, really careful on, on that. Um, what is also interesting is um, all the countries, the EU Commission, uh, all the, the MHRA also, uh, is issuing a lot of recommendations uh, during this period uh, to flex, uh, to be more flexible uh, related to the supplies of those, of those, um, of those devices or those products. The MHRA you really issued a lot of guidance. It's really huge guidance on uh, rapidly manufactured uh, respirator, guidance on flexibility for the countries on the priorities. So they are making a priority for all those supplies for COVID-19. Uh, they are asking the authorities to uh, stop all the other assessment for other products and really make a priority on that. So during this period, really uh, the, the priorities on this, uh, this product. Uh, so you have maybe to be patient and I hope you understand that, that uh, um, notified bodies or uh, authorities cannot um, maybe take you take into account your products while they are really uh, focused on this on this pandemic. Um, what is also interesting is the the availability of free standards um, during this period. So standards for face masks, I saw standard for um, for gloves, for goals, for how to to test that a product is not infected and this and that. So you have the availability to find those uh, those standards uh, within your uh, country. So the CN and Senelec uh, website is showing all the standards. I will put that in the show notes. Uh, and you can go and check which um, which organization, which distributor you have in your country. So for me, I used SNV uh, for Switzerland and I can go and buy for zero uh, the euro or zero Swiss franc those standards. 
uh, and then I can have them available in different languages also. So uh, if you are in France, it's AFNOR. Uh, if you are in UK, maybe BSI, etc., etc. So there is a full list in the in this website. And as I've said, it's on the show notes, so you can go and check uh, those standards. So those standards are really interesting because they are showing which test you can do uh, to classify your face mask. For example, FFP1, what it means, FFP2, what it means, FFP3, what it means, etc., etc. Uh, so it's really an interesting read, even if you are not making mask, maybe it's interesting read for you to understand how it's done, how it's tested, uh, so that also if you are uh, you are working with those kind of masks or if you are a consultant and working for those kind of companies, you know already what things they have to do. And if you are new on this business, you have also to uh, find a way to make those tests so that you are really compliant with the regulation. Um, okay, last point, I put it at the end for this uh, for this topic of the pandemic is about the date of application. Um, we heard um, last week, um, I think it was on Wednesday, uh, that the date of application will be postponed of one year for the MDR. Um, and I'm hearing a lot of people saying, oh, it's done, it's done, it's done. So now we have to wait one year. And I just want you to listen again uh, to what was said, because it's just a proposal so listen will the commission propose a delay to the medical device regulation deadline this week well the commission is working on a proposal to postpone the entry into force of the new medical devices regulation for one year we're working hard to submit this proposal early april and we call on parliament and on council to adopt it quickly as the deadline for entry into force is at the end of may this will relieve pressure from national authorities and industry, and it will allow them to focus fully on urgent priorities related to the coronavirus crisis. And you can see that it said it's just a proposal <laughs> that will be sent early April. So we are early April, and today they are I mean today. Uh, this Friday, because I'm recording that on Friday, this Friday uh, they have uh, published uh, this proposal. Uh, so we have to read it now. There is eight pages where they are mentioning specifically that because of this um, this pandemic, uh, there will be um, a need to uh, move uh, to delay the date of application for the MDR until the 26th of May 2021. But it still needs the approval from the Parliament or the Council, and this approval will normally be maybe provided end of May. So end of May is uh, close to the date of application. So uh, I suppose there will be a lot of pressure there. Uh, if there is any change to the document, change to the proposal, change to the discussion. So don't make it like it's a done deal. It's not. Uh, you can still read the blog of Eric Volbrecht, which is also talking about that and what are the, the scenarios and possibilities. I suppose he will create another blog post to uh, explain what is written specifically on this proposal and what are the consequences of it. But you still have to continue with your projects. Don't stop your project now. You still have one month, if I can say, or two months because if it's end of, of May uh, to see if uh, this proposal is accepted as is or if there is some conditions etc etc so don't uh, don't neglect that and don't uh, stop your projects okay so thank you for that okay the next topic is about notified bodies 
So this month of March, we had one additional notified body. So uh, CE Certizo Orvos from Hungary. Uh, so this is, um, we, we have now 12 notified bodies for MDR uh, 2017-745 and three notified bodies for IVDR 2017-746. As you know, it's not too much. So it's also something that is will be a problem. Uh, so we still have to make efforts to have enough notified bodies. But here, yeah, it's not enough at all. Um, because as I said, I'm hearing a lot of, um, of my clients that are saying that um, they are calling notified bodies and nobody answers. So each time there is a notified body that is, uh, <laughs> that is uh, announced, I suppose uh, their, their standard is uh, blowing up with a lot of calls uh, because everybody is looking for a notified body to be ready for the MDR. Um, yeah, so for notified bodies, there is also the publication of the state of the art. Uh, so I will put that also on the show notes so that I, you can see the, the slides. So it's showing mainly um, how many notified bodies are on the different processes. Uh, so if I remember, there is 44 applications. Um, but yeah, actually, there is only uh, 12 uh, for MDR and three for IVDR. Next is about the updates. So in terms of guidances. So what we have is that the MDCG group issued some guidances um, during this month of March. And we had the first guidance about uh, clinical evaluation and performance evaluation for medical device software. So it's an interesting guidance because it's showing specifically what kind of clinical evidence you can provide uh, for your software, uh, what are the, the methodology, what are the elements that you have to look at. So it's really an interesting guidance if you are uh, in the business of software for medical devices or for in vitro diagnostic um, because it's providing you some guidance. I'm not saying it's a magic um, magic document, but if you are already um, not understanding what you have to provide, it's, it can give you some guidance on, on what is really, um, what are the notified bodies or what are the authorities really looking for. The next one is about the guidance on class one transitional uh, provision under article 120 uh, dash uh, three and four. Uh, so mainly, um you know that with the corrigendum, the second corrigendum, we have now more time for class one um, products under MDD that are up classified under MDR. So for example, class one air uh, reusable uh, or class one uh, or software that are uh, coming from class one and becoming class two A, two B or three, etc., etc. So this is just a guidance that is showing you, explaining you how this is working. The fact also that uh, if there is any significant change, uh, then you have to become MDR compliant, etc, etc. So uh, don't hesitate to read that if you are still struggling about um, this transition for these products. Then we have the famous um, guidance for significant change. So I had a, a podcast with uh, Eric Volbrecht uh, last week about that. Uh, we recorded the podcast before the publication of this uh, of this uh, guidance, but at the end, yeah, well, what we said was make makes sense related to the guidance. And I also put on the show notes of this podcast all the different guidances that are existing also uh, from MedTech Group, from um, from GMed, from uh, all the group that I uh, we talked about during the, the episode. Um, but yeah, so be careful, as I've said, during the transition period, not only for a class one device, but for every device, as soon as you are using this transition period because you have a MDD certificate and you are saying, okay, I will place my products on the market until my certificate is expired. Um, 
then you have to understand that if you are performing any significant change uh, to your device, this can impact your certification. So be ready for that. Understand that. Um, understand also what your notified bodies consider a significant change because maybe there are some differences between one to the other. Uh, and also, yeah, take the guidance. There are some flowchart and check if your change is included in this flowchart. Before to do this change, think about it. So don't make a change like that. And as I've said also on the, on the podcast episode with Eric, uh, train your team or about what is a change so that they are not performing a change without you knowing about that. So, because it can be really dramatic for your company. Um, okay, so for significant change, I think it's all, but if you have still some questions, don't hesitate to, uh, to reach out to me. I will try to answer uh, them as soon as possible. Uh, the last point that, uh, I mean, the last point, there are a lot of changes in the, uh, in the, the regulatory updates part, but uh, the last part is about the update of the harmonized standards. But it's not for MDR or IVDR, it is for still the MDD, IMDD, and uh, IVDD. So it means that we there are updates about the, the standard, the harmonized standards. As I, remember, I remind you, so an harmonized standard is just a standard that if you are in conformity with the standard, we suppose that you are conforming with the requirements of, uh, of the MDD in that case. For MDR, as there is no harmonized standards, you can still use the ones that are not harmonized for now. I suppose ISO 9, uh, 14971 for risk management is will be harmonized. It's not now, but you can still use that. It's not like you cannot use that anymore. It's just that um, if you are using a non-harmonized standard, they are supposing they are they should not suppose that you are in conformity with the, uh, a requirement. They have to to check and to dig and to and to review that. So. You can also listen to the episode that we have made with um, um, Marcelo Antunes regarding ISO 14971 because he mentioned that correctly inside. He explained that a standard is not mandatory. It's highly recommended, but it's not mandatory. And if you are using something else, you just have to prove that this is in compliance with the requirements, nothing else. So please review this episode with Marcelo Antunes, um, ISO 14971. We made that as a LinkedIn Live, but you can see that on my YouTube channel. Um, okay, so here are the regulatory updates for this month. Um, as I've said, there are a lot. There are a lot of um, documents that are released related to uh, this pandemic, uh, what uh, you can do or not do. Uh, a lot of documents to explain to you how to um, create a ventilator, how to create a mask, how to... So there is a lot of things that are now um, available. Um, we know that we are in the regulatory um, or the compliance part, but during a pandemic, it's like a war. So we have to be flexible. So you may have to understand that, um, but you still try to provide safe, um, safe products because if at the end you are just providing products to provide products to just make business, um, it's not really uh, compliant in my way of thinking. Uh, also in terms of, uh, of uh, behavior, I mean, yeah, let's not use a pandemic to make uh, business or to take some opportunities. And let's try to think about all the lives that we can save if we make compliant products. Okay, this month we had a few episodes on the podcast. We had the first one about uh, cybersecurity with Eric Volbrecht. Uh, so it was talking about also about the MDCG guidance that was issued. As we said, the MDCG guidance for cybersecurity was really um, interesting. There are a lot of graphs, a lot of things inside. So go also to check that if you are providing a software or an equipment that is connected to a network. So it's really, I think, an interesting document for, for you. Then we talked with LM Ein about uh, Class 1S, Class 
class one M, class one R, uh, what it is, what uh, they are, the auditors are looking for. Um, and yeah, I think it's also something that uh, you have to, to get. Uh, so LM has uh, created a document, a presentation. So if you want to go and to check that, uh, it's summarizing all the information about what we discussed during the podcast. And the last one is about significant change, as I've said, with Eric Volbrecht. And um, I am doing, I'm trying to do one spare week or so a LinkedIn Live. Um, so if you want to join the LinkedIn Live, try to connect with me. I know that some people said to me that they are connected with me, but they don't see the live. As I've said, uh, the LinkedIn Live is actually in beta version, so it's not provided to everyone. So I think they will improve that and provide maybe a link in future uh, where I can just send that to the people and say, here is the link for you to connect. Uh, but for now, there is nothing. They, they are just sending a notification on your uh, mobile or on your computer uh, when I'm going live. But um, this month, we had some interesting topic where we had how to classify a medical device. It was an interesting topic because we made some um, I, I use that as a quiz uh, quiz episode where I showed some examples and I asked the audience to classify the products and there were some some great answers there were some great uh, information also about the fact that you have really to understand all the features of your products to understand how to classify it if you just know half of it it's not possible to really classify a device so um, yeah classification of a device is really a, a tough um, a tough exercise also uh, then we had the frequently asked question on economic operators with Eric Volbrecht. Uh, so it was also a great episode because we had made those medical device uh, school episodes, a bonus episode where we talked about economic operators. But I wanted to give the opportunity to the manufacturers to ask real questions about what they are doing, what they are experimenting actually uh, regarding economic operators. And I think it was really a great one. Uh, so if you want to go and to check, there are there were really great answers. Uh, then we had the famous coronavirus uh, impact to medical device uh, LinkedIn Live, where I had the chance to have uh, Eric Volbrecht, um, Basil Accra from Tufsud, so Notified Body, and Gert Boss from QServe uh, to help understand answer the questions about the impact of uh, this virus to the, um, to the medical device uh, industry. Uh, and it was really a great episode. And this is the episode where uh, we recorded in the morning. Uh, last week, um, so the, the week before, uh, on Wednesday in the morning, and in the afternoon, they announced the, the proposal for a date of application um, postponed of one year. But in the morning, uh, my audience says it's unlikely that it will happen because there is a lot of administrative work to do that. But if at the end, the Parliament, the Council, and the Commission agree all together and they are really seeing the urgency, then it can happen. But in a normal process it takes really a long time to have those changes uh, so uh, so we are expecting that but we we are not sure that it will happen so so let's uh, let's think about that okay so i think we close all the elements related to uh, what happened this month um, last point is about uh, my shop. So I released uh, this month also the um, uh, the PRRC agreement. So if you are a small or mid-sized company 
and you are trying to hire a PRLC. Uh, so I created an agreement where I included all, all the requirements, uh, all the responsibility of a PRLC and a manufacturer uh, so that you can also hire your uh, PRLC as a consultant if you if you want. You cannot do that if you are a, a big company. Uh, you have to fall on the definition of a small and mid-sized company uh, to be able to hire a consultant for, for that. So check that on the shop. And I have also still the other templates that are existing. If you you are um, working on your technical documentation, uh, if you are um, passing the MDSAP, uh, MDSAP certification, etc., etc. And I'm also providing some coaching if you are interested. Um, I'm helping people uh, that uh, are under projects within their companies or that want to find a job. So I'm, I'm looking with them what are their skills, what they need to improve, and also um, looking with them every job description and then testing their knowledge in terms of of the position that they are looking for. So if you are interested, contact me, uh, contact me also. Okay, um, don't forget, so all the topics that we discussed today, I have them on the show notes. So go there, I put all the links, all the things, uh, so that you can really see uh, what we are talking about and you can see the references of those information. And uh, yeah, so don't hesitate also to contact me if you have any project for quality and regulatory affairs for medical devices. I'm really happy, I would be really happy to help you uh, to pass that. Okay, so it was really a pleasure for me uh, to give you all those information um, and I hope that uh, this will really help you to, um, to be compliant with your medical device. Okay, so thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it and also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.